Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. There's a verse in this passage that I want to call to our attention. I was scheduled to preach in the Jubilee and, of course, was not able to even attend. And uh, the Lord had laid this verse on my heart some even months ago. I shared a part of it in a prayer meeting here. And I'd outlined and worked on the message to share in the preacher's meeting last Friday evening had I uh, been able to preach there. And I want to just bring the text and just give a thought or two tonight. I trust the Lord will use it. But in this passage, it's one of the, perhaps one of the most familiar passages. It deals really with our Lord's resurrection. And uh, the Bible says in the 13th verse of the 24th chapter of Luke's Gospel, Behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They're traveling there, no doubt they lived there. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. It came to pass that while they communed together in reason, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. A lot of questions have been asked about that statement. Uh, just simply says that they were not able to recognize him. I think it was, of course, Something supernatural, the Lord just didn't permit them at this time to recognize who he was. Someone had said that perhaps he was in a different form and they did not recognize him. Well, that's not what the verse, verse says. The Lord somehow kept their eyes from really seeing clearly who he was. He said unto them, what manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk? And are sad, downcast, the literal rendering. They're, of course they're sad. Their Lord is dead. They had hoped that he was their Messiah, they're going to tell him. They're delivered to set them free from the Roman bondage and slavery. One of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said to him, Are thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? It's not known the things which are come to pass there in these days. He said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the, be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted, that is, we'd hoped that it been he which should have redeemed Israel. Beside all of this, today is the third day since these things were done. He and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. They found not his body. They came saying that they had seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, that is, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Now, Someone asked me, wasn't that a little harsh? Well, he, he spoke with kindness. That was a, a rather familiar term that sometimes the, uh, the leader would say to the students when they were slow to perceive, when they couldn't grasp. Simple ones, foolish ones, he's saying to them. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? 
And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. They drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it's toward evening, and the day is far spent. He went in to tarry with them. He came to pass as he said it meet with them. He took bread and blessed it and break, gave to them. Their eyes were open. They knew him. He vanished out of their sight. They said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? They rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem, found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. In verse 32, we call to our attention an expression tonight. They said one to another, these two disciples, one of them is named, the other is an unnamed disciple. Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? I want to speak tonight on the subject, the burning heart. The burning heart. This is a wonderful descriptive way of those two disciples describing that new devotion, that new love that was shed abroad in their hearts on that road to Emmaus. And I brought this message to the preacher's meeting the other evening, I would have introduced the thought by saying, someone asked a question, said, Brother Hurd, in traveling around and preaching in different churches, sometimes you're in a church that seemingly is doing something for the Lord, and then you're in a church that never grows, never anyone saved, never any real ministry going on, and a person asked the question, said, in your opinion, what's the difference? Now, he proceeded to almost answer the question before giving me an opportunity to even respond. He said, is it location? He says, it is it in different parts of the country? God blesses some ministries and God is not blessing other ministries? Or he said, is it the personality in the pulpit? Is it, does it have anything to do with the whether the preacher has adequate training or whether he has no training. And really before he could, before I had the opportunity really to respond to the man's question, he, he put it in that form and then he said, would you just comment on that? Why is it that some places, some men, some ministries, God is blessing but other places seemingly you do not see the hand of God. You do not feel the presence of God. You do not see any evidence. There is no growth. There is no reality. There is no souls being saved. He said, what's the difference? I was in a preacher's meeting in St. Louis, Missouri, preaching for a preacher that I preach for every year. He was in the conference. Some of you know who I'm referring to. 
And I said to him, brother, the last two meetings I was in, and no one in that audience, and I qualified him to say it, no one knows where I'm referring to because it would be unkind on my part. But I said, I was in one church that had the hand of God, the blessing of God, and then I was in another church that was so dead, and I'm not speaking with unkindness, but was so dead you couldn't even speak in the place. Never anybody say No outreach, no burden, no soul winning. No bus ministry, no Sunday school growth, not anything happened. And I said, the church that did not have the smile and the blessing and the approval of God upon it, really location-wise, it was ideal. Easy access off of the interstate. Facilities, beautiful, adequate, paid for. Everything you could want. But yet, no smile of God, no breath of heaven, no freshness, no reality, no ministry, no anything. And I, and I do not speak with unkindness, God forbid. I, I said to my wife on the phone that day, I said, if I, you know, I'm not wishing something bad would happen to me, but I said, I wish something developed, I'd have to come home. He cups or something. I'm being honest. Most of the time I enjoy preaching. I don't speak this one kindness, but I didn't. I mean, I'd, I'd ask God to put me doing something else. But I didn't want to preach. Before that week was up, I had to make myself go to the pulpit. The preacher's wife called me at 5.30 on one of the mornings and said, you've disturbed my husband this week, and he didn't even come to bed last night. You shake you up when the pastor's wife calls you at the motel at 5 in the morning. I said, did I do it? She said, yes, you did. That was the third night I I wanted to go home. This is the fourth night coming up. I surely won't leave then. I was speaking at the Christian school the next morning. I didn't even want to go. I'm I'm not being unkind. I didn't have any heart to go. I said, Lord, will you let me go home? He said, no. I don't want to get sidetracked. There's a, something else connected to that part of the story. There's some things really happened that week at the last service. And I heard the next week it really broke out. I just told him, I, I wish to invite me back and let me get in on it now. But there's nothing going on. No ministry. No reality. No blessing. The singing so flat and dull that you just, uh, I mean, you could hardly stay awake in the place. Hard to preach, no liberty. Just fell flat when you tried to speak. I then was in a meeting prior to that, and I just illustrated and tried to answer the man's question. In fact, I, I answered it in my sermon that morning. I told him if he'd let me beg off, I was going to try to explain and uh, what at least in my opinion, he asked the question. I was in a place they didn't have adequate facilities. They, their church was started in just a storefront building. They built onto that building and, and uh, people was just on top of each other everywhere. Former ministry building would have probably seated 300 people. They, they ran about 50. 
The other place could have, could have comfortably taken care of 150. They had uh, nearly 300 on Sunday there. First minister, I would uh, venture to say his training was much more thorough and more adequate than the, tr the second preacher's uh, training when it came to his theological training. Do you know what I found in one place that I did not find at the other one? And I do not speak with unkindness because the preacher that I first referred to, he's not in that church now. He's in another church and something happened to him. He said, and started in that meeting. It wasn't that he got offended with me because of me personally. The Spirit of God had so disturbed him and he testified in the chapel hour that morning at the school and stood with tears and testified and said, I have my old heart and the very term he used, he said, my heart has been as cold as a stone. He said, I've had a job. I've endured it. And he said, I've made you endure. The truth is, dead preachers preach dead sermons. Dead teachers teach dead lessons. People don't get what we say. They get what we are. That's why it's so important when the teacher or the preacher or the song director or anyone that's on the platform before people, if our own heart is full, we project that all heart people. People come to our places to be lifted, to be inspired, to get something. And when we do not have it, of course, they do not get it. I often say, they do not get what we say. They get what we are. We attempt to preach on prayer, but we have no prayer life. It falls bad. We preach, attempt to preach on a burden for souls, and our old heart's not broken for souls. It falls flat. We attempt to preach on any subject we want to preach on without that being a reality in our soul. It will never speak. These disciples said, did not our heart burn within us? I spoke to someone on the phone just today. I spoke to him a few days ago, and the person said to me, and I'm going to quote him just the very word they said to me. I mentioned the name. Many of you recognize this name. They're not part of our church. said, Brother Hurt, God laid you on my heart to call you and said, it's going to be open and honest and frank. He said, I've heard you say oftentimes in the pulpit, uh, don't beat around the bush. And, and the person said this. He said, I'm quitting. I said, well, he said, to be honest, I can't go on anymore. Somebody's service. He said, it's become so burdensome and it's become so dreadful. He said, I can, he said, it's just more than I can carry. Having had this verse on my heart, I quoted this verse to him. I said, you remember those two sad, downcast, defeated disciples going over yonder to Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem? And all of a sudden, they had such a change of heart. That very hour, we're going to look here in a moment. Not, not, they couldn't even wait till morning. It's seven miles, but they don't care. They got up and went on a seven-mile journey. They couldn't keep their mouth shut. They were something went to burning on the inside. And I said, it wasn't just duty. It was a delight for them to go tell. Oh, when I've lost the fire of God's Spirit in my soul, it's drudgery to try to preach. It's hard to try to talk. I mean, we got lockjaw. We don't have a thing to say. 
say if the fire of God's presence and God's spirit is not actually burning and consuming and flaming in our soul for us to try to serve God, it's a burning you show me someone that's got the fire of God's presence and God's spirit and God's word being open to them and shedding abroad that reality, that presence in their soul, and I'll show you someone. I mean, if you tried to shut them up and keep them from talking for Jesus Christ, they would explode. I asked that brother, would he? I said, what about your quiet time? Your morning watch? I said, I know you used to have that. Do you still have quiet time? He said, occasionally. Right there, he told on himself. Not regular anymore. He said occasionally. He said, to be honest, Brother Hurt, the book hasn't really said anything to me. And among some other things, I asked that dear Christian if he would just come right back to what we're looking at tonight. You know what he said to me in a telephone call in recent hours? He said, Brother Hurt, he said, and he, he's not a pastor. In fact, he's not a preacher. He has a, a ministry in the church. You know what he said to me? He said, it has ceased to be a burden. And said, now, it's a blessing again. And I just wanted to tell you that I've got the presence of God back with me. I'm glad we can do that. Amen? I'm glad when we lose that sense and we're downcast and... Our spirits are sad and, and there's discouragement that takes hold of us and every last one of us is subject to that. There's not a person in this room tonight on the sound of my voice that's exempt from this. There are times we get so dry and so cold and so empty. and We have to have what these two on the Emmaus Road experience. We have to have a new sense of His presence and that fire of His devotion and His love shed abroad in our heart and we then can go back and say the Lord has risen, is risen indeed. Now, how do we come about this burning heart? I've confessed my need of it. I've confessed my continual need of it. I mean, this is my constant need. This is, as far as I'm concerned, we can have everything in the world going for us, but if our hearts are cold, it doesn't make any difference how much training, doesn't make any difference where we're located, doesn't make any difference about the facilities. If there's no fire of God's presence in our soul, there is no ministry, whether it's a preacher or whoever. We just can never speak with any reality without the fire of His presence. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, it didn't just say out of the heart, that's true, but out of the abundance, if the heart is full, flowing over, abundant in the heart, the mouth has to speak. I've seen times when testimony time you couldn't say a word, but then other times you just, you just sat hoping they'd have a testimony to give them. Well, then times I, I thought, oh, if I could just I mean, then there's other times that I, I thought, I, I I'm being honest. I thought, I hope they don't call me to say a word tonight. You know what the trouble was? Somebody said, no, I hadn't been out in the necessarily. I hadn't, I hadn't uh, broken complete fellowship with the Lord. They had just come to that place that that fire was not burning inside. Something about fire, you, 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 it's just got to be expressed. Let me 
give you three words about this text, and I, I'm wanting to preach. I, sure the world. I, I see a whole lot of things that I'd like to take off on. I'm not going to do it. And uh, I want to preach both services Sunday, so I've got an ankle that's that big now. I can sense it. And so I, I, I want to preach both services Sunday, so I'm going to just be, uh, be, I'm going to be finished here in just a few minutes. But we've established the fact that there is such an experience that, I mean, this, this burning heart's expressed in many, many ways. I mean, call by many terms. We're talking about, and the object of it is defeat and sadness and being under the circumstances. Just the opposite. It's just victory. It's this fire in our heart. Let me give you three words and then uh, we'll do something else. This fire is ignited by opening of the scriptures. Note what they say. Said, did not our hearts burn within us? Well, when, where did this fire, how did it get there? What started it? What ignited it? Says, while he talked with us, by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures. Called Jeremiah of old, how he got so discouraged, he said, I'm going to quit. Oh, Jeremiah said, I'm not even going to mention his name anymore. Jeremiah said, I'm going to refrain from saying one word about Jehovah God. And he quit. He was so discouraged, he just quit serving God. The Bible says in his prophecy that the word of God was a fire in his bones. And he couldn't refrain. Jeremiah said, while there was something going on inside of me, the word of God was such a fire, I couldn't be quiet. I had to speak for him. Know why? I spoke to a preacher just all 15 minutes before coming out of my study. And we just was casually talking. And I, he said, what are you preaching on tonight? And I quoted that verse. He, moment of silence, he said, uh, I like that. He said, what are you going to say about it? And uh, I thought, well, before I realized it, I said, well, there's three main things. And I, I went across two. And a few minutes, he said, would you mind getting the third one? <laughs> I said, you rascal, you get my sermon. You go preach it. He said, no, preacher. He said, to be honest, he said, uh, I needed that. He said, it's been difficult for me to speak. He said, normally I speak to people around the filling station. I get gas and usually talk to the fellow about his soul and ask him to Knows the Lord. He said, I've been in hospitals. And normally if I visit a patient in one room, I'll, I'll at least speak to the other. But he said, I've been finding myself saying nothing. He said, when you start talking, the Lord said, the fire's not burning like it ought to. There's not that uprising. There's not that consuming. There's not that, there's not that uh, fire that enables that activity. That's true of all of us. We've seen a day when, oh, you just have to say something. Now, please don't let me throw you a curve here. I'm not advocating being so reckless and full of zeal that we don't use common sense about things. I don't advocate that. I don't think God's the author of confusion. Are you listening to me? And I'm for, I'm for learning any, any road you want to call it, bring people to Christ, Roman road, John road, Isaiah road. Like what one preacher in a conference was in, they was asking questions. They said to him, what road do you use? What road do you think is the best to get people saved? He said, any road to get some Jesus. I like that. Amen. I mean, God didn't tell us just, you know, one. I mean, use his word. He uses his word. I've led people to Christ with just sometimes just a verse. And, and I'm not against the wrong. How often you, if, oftentimes, I'll say this to people when I'm 
trying to get an inroad witness to him, I say there's four things I got straight when, the, when I got saved. Number one, I was a sinner. Number two, is a price on sin. Number three, the price has been paid. And number four, I lead right up and begin to show them that the Holy Spirit should work and open their heart and preparing them and they are ready to trust the Lord. I've led many people to Christ. Never open my, my testament. Just, just name those. Then open and show them what I've just quoted. We're sinners. Because we're sinners, there's a price on sin, but the price has been paid and it's by faith we can receive Jesus Christ yeah. into our heart. And I was telling that preacher as he brought something up it reminded me of something my wife can relate to to this, at least to this uh, area we lived then, not too far, where we live now. Back when I, when I got saved, when I got in, we lived on Peachtree Lane. That uh, is over there back of Chi-Chi's, that new restaurant they got there, right back there. We lived back in that area around Eastgate. And uh, uh, I got in, as most of you know, on a Monday night. Oh, my. My life had been so empty and barren. I'd so been needing and missing what I had uh, receive that, I mean, I didn't know you wasn't supposed to just, you know, tell everyone. I'm guessing this three or four weeks had passed, or maybe even months. I'm not sure about that. I was in the supermarket. It then was called Waltz Supermarket. It's right up there, not far from us. Some of you know where Waltz is quick check or something there now. But uh, Waltz Supermarket. I went in there, and about two people behind me came time for me to uh, be checked out. Spirit of God said, give that lady a track. I reached in my pocket and took a gospel track out. And I was, you know, I was kind, courteous. And I wasn't wild and reckless. But the moment I spoke, God broke my old hard heart. And I started weeping. Here's a grown man, 25-year-old man standing there. She just taken my money, give me back my change. And I said, pardon me? She said, yes, sir. I said, could I ask you about your soul? And I had a God simple plan of salvation track. And I said, this little track tells us how we can stay out of hell and go to heaven. God broke my old hard heart. She screamed. I mean, literally screamed. Ah! And, I mean, ran, run, when I was, she was the only checker. She left. Uh, the boy on my groceries, he, he knew what to do. He started to run. Two people behind me. I looked around, and she went up in a little booth there where the manager was. I mean, all of you can see her just standing there weeping. Well, he came down. She couldn't tell him anything. He won't know if I... I said, no. All I asked her was... Say so you're bragging. No, I'm not bragging. There has been times, and I'm ashamed to tell you this. He said to me, "Say something." I've been afraid to. Oh, I'd give a dozen reasons why I shouldn't say anything. So they didn't invite me. 
please don't you know me well enough. You know, no, I'm not. Don't read in that I'm telling you to go out here, buttonhole everybody, grab everyone without the Holy Spirit leading you. I'm not teaching that. But I am saying, when that fire has been ignited because of the Scripture being opened to us, and we are letting the Word of God warm our full hearts, there is just something about you've got to see something. It was ignited by the Scriptures. It was intensified by His presence, by His communing with them. Note what they said in the latter part of the verse. Well, the first part, really, they said this. They said, one to another, did not our heart burn within us? Now, when did it happen? When he talked with us? By the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures, I said it was ignited. This fire started by the opening of the scriptures to their hearts. Let me ask you a question. Has the scripture said something to your heart today? Not yesterday, but today. Ask yourself that question. I asked that dear dear friend who called me who said that he is ready to quit his ministry and he's in a very effective ministry. He's a soul winner and he works in bus ministry and so on in his church and he is hanging up everything. And I said to him, has the scripture said anything to your heart, my brother? No, he said, even when I read it, it doesn't say anything, you know. Later he told me why. He said, I'd gotten so preoccupied, so busy, that I'd crowded my quiet time in just a little snatch of time, a little, that's a word he used, just a little hurry there. And when he opened the Scriptures, the Scriptures wasn't open to him. Let me throw you a curve, but let me ask you this question. Does the Bible say anything to you when you open it? You say, what do you mean? Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, not just every word of God, but every word that proceeds. Every word that, that comes off and the word that he uses is not the Greek word logos. The word logos means this written word. He didn't say we live by this entire book, this written word. But the word that he uses, the word rhema, it means a word that fits you, a word that speaks to you, a word that suits your being, a word that says something to you. Well, I've read chapters and it didn't say a word. Simply for conscience sake, that I had set myself a rule and a goal. I'm going to read 20 chapters or 30 chapters or 50 chapters. I'm going to read two hours. And, 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 and I read and read and read and read. And then finally, did I get Sometimes it's been a, a barrier, their attitude problem, or sometimes not coming to the, to the words just saying, Lord, speak to me. Come as a humble child, depending on the Holy Spirit, and saying, Lord, speak to my heart. Then there's been times I've opened this book, and from the very first verse, I say, praise the Lord. Oh, it just gets so real and says, you know what the difference is? The Scripture's being opened to you. That's what ignites a fire. The scripture. And it's intensified by his presence. And if you and I are not walking with him, controlled by him, and having his presence in our quiet time, then that fire will, will go, it'll begin to burn lowly, and then it'll finally get to the place that's just a flicker if there's any fire at all. And then we're like these disciples. We're sad. We're downcast. All the circumstances are weighing us down. The burdens are so heavy. We can't go. And every one of us Oh, how important every day that this blessed book doesn't say anything about the common old one, my hero preacher. Incidentally, we're going to have it here. We're going to get it for about two days. But out of the picture, about the old one, we're going to bring you two messages to our hearts from God's Word. 
Jesus, he's going to pray, which is this name. I heard Dr. Malone, when they asked him one day, he said, Sir, how, how long did you read the Bible? It was that worn out, gravelly North Alabama voice of his, and he's pastored 40 years, yonder in Michigan now, he's got one of the great churches of our, of our day. Dr. Malone says, I read the word of God Amen. You heard me say I got saved on a Monday. I never. I don't brag about this. I've never read a Bible in my life. I've never been. I, I can never remember ever reading the Bible. I went bought a Bible a few days before I got saved, but I mean prior to that, getting under conviction, I can never ever recall ever reading the Bible. That's nothing to brag about. Never been to Sunday school a day in my life. I was twenty-five years old. God saved me. I didn't come home where the Bible was read. I came home where there's a Bible was on, but we never, I never ever saw my father with a Bible in his hand after I became a preacher. I've heard my mother uh, with a songbook, and I'm sure I must have seen my mother read the Bible, but I, I'd, never, I'd never read the Bible in my life. Oh, I went and got a Bible. Went to, I went to Murphy's. Got a zipper Bible. I brought that home. Now, while I was under conviction before I got saved, I started. I said to, I said to Joe, let's, let's just start trying to read a little bit. You know where I started? I started over there in Revelation. Oh, my. I didn't know that God was talking in symbols. I believe it literally, but you have to find out what the symbol stands for and then believe it literally. And so he says he gave the book he he signified the book. That means he signified the book. It means if you understand Revelation, you've got to understand what those signs mean. And I didn't know. Well, we had all those monsters, all those things. I looked over and I said, what's that mean? Joe said, I don't know. I said, you've been going to church, Sam. You ever heard this? He said, I never heard that. I don't know. I got saved. I opened that little, little old Bible up in the morning. I got saved going to work. God hears this. I opened that book up the next morning. I, one of my favorite books today. I don't know if this has anything to do with it or not, but I opened in James 1. James is one of my favorite books of the Bible. I like the practicality of the book of James. He just gets down where we live. And I started reading. And I started weeping. I'd read, I'd laugh, I'd cry. Joe wasn't saved at this point. I learned later that she said to someone, she, you know, she was even having thoughts about having to put me up somewhere. I'd laugh, I'd cry. I, I, I was waiting for an hour night. And so the night that I was off, I didn't want to sleep. I, was, I recall going in there in the early morning hours. I was going about two or three o'clock. And I said to her, Joe, look here. Look what I found in the Bible. <laughs> you know what had happened? Who wrote the book and given me the nature of Jesus Christ? And as newborn babe, I was desiring the sincerity of the word. And as I would come to it and come to it sincerely, and if he showed me something wrong and sincerity, I'd say to him, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I, I'd hear if someone preach on something. I'd head to the altar. Get out on the knees, Doug. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Ignited by the scriptures and intensified by communion with him, walking with him, 
But then it inspired activity. Now here's two people, if you'd have, you'd have asked them before they had this experience to go back to Jerusalem and try to speak a word of encouragement, well, that would have been beyond them. Impossible, they would have said. Discouraged people can't speak a word of encouragement. Paul says, I delivered that which I first received. We cannot deliver something we have received. And here's two people. The fire has been ignited with the scriptures. It's been intensified by communion. And now it inspires activity. And boy, they can't wait. It's seven, it's seven miles. I'll repeat. The Bible says that this village was oh, three score furlongs. About seven miles, a little more. Night. As they walk along, it's an evening, he goes in for an evening meal. And when he takes the bread, he's in the place of honor, and he offers the offer thanksgiving for the meal. And the miracle that had happened to cause them not to recognize him, then that uh, that blindness has been lifted, and they see clearly now. I've heard some people say they didn't recognize him until they saw his hands. Well, I think we're reading something there it doesn't say. You see, if that had been the case, they knew who he was walking along. It just says their eyes were holding and they hadn't recognized him until all of a sudden he lifted the blindness. So now that the, their, their vision is not blurred, they see clearly and they said, it's the Lord. About that time he vanished out of their sight. In that hour of the night, they couldn't wait a morning. They said, we got to tell it. They got right up. And because of a heart being on fire, it inspired, it enabled activity, and they took on back to tell it. Sometimes, whether we're preachers, teachers, singers, witnesses, just wherever we've got some activity due to the Lord, if this fire begins to burn low in our soul, it becomes such a chore to say anything. It becomes so difficult to speak a word. It becomes so hard. We'll try to get out of preaching. We'll try to get out of teaching. We'll, it'll be difficult and flat and hard. This fire, lighted with the scriptures, intensified by his communion, it enabled their activity. And they headed back to the city saying, He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. My question to our needy hearts tonight is this. How long has it been? Let's just be real honest with ourselves. How long has it been since there was a real fire of zeal and emotion and devotion in our heart for Jesus Christ? You recall how he said to Simon Peter, he didn't say, Simon, I'm going to give you a job to do if you promise not to fail me anymore. That's not what he asked him. He said, Simon, three times, he said, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Right after Simon Peter finally said to him, Lord, you know. Jesus checked his devotion, checked his love. He said, now you're ready to feed my sheep. You're ready to serve me. How long has it been since there was a fire of devotion? A fire of emotion, reality, really burning in our heart? Just, let's just be honest tonight. This fire goes out on the altar of our soul. We'll be, we'll be in condition like these disciples. It usually shows up in this threefold way. First, the old heart becomes sort of complaining. The person gets that way, what they used to thrill over and shout, shout to, they start complaining about. And then there's a coldness, just an indifference comes in. 
And then if we don't do something about it, not only that coldness, that leads into a critical spirit. I'll find myself being so critical. If I do not do something about that fire that's going out on the altar of my heart. Quench not the spirit is the admonition in the Bible. Holy Spirit's pictured as a fire. To quench means to smother, stifle, to put out. Be sure you can quench a fire by pouring water on it. You can quench a fire by taking something and smothering it. You can also quench a fire by just neglecting that fire. I mean, cease to feed, cease to fuel the fire. The fire begins to be quenched and stifled and smothered. I'm going to be honest with you. For eight days, the last <clears throat> trip there at the hospital, somebody called and I was very, being very honest. Someone said, another preacher said, you're probably really getting stored up while you're hearing the word, aren't you? <laughs> well, you're lying like this on your head down here. You don't do a whole lot of storing up. I promise you that. I'd open the book and try to read, and I couldn't even concentrate. Well, I had to bring my recorder. I'll beat that. I'll just put some tapes on. I got the Bible on tape, the whole Bible. Plus, I'm going to put some sermons on. So, after the visiting hours, I took the recorder and plugged it in. Would you believe that thing wouldn't work? First time ever. Let's say I'm being honest. I I began to want to say, Lord, I need some fire. I need some fuel. I need something to feed this little flame. Get this burning again. I don't know what it is. Sometimes we just neglect. Sometimes we just get busy. Sometimes we just sort of, you know, we'll plan. Then we find ourselves with the characteristics and being in the condition these disciples found themselves in, sad, downcast, defeated, if we could just come and say, Lord, light this fire and this flame, we could then. I mean, it's just as natural for the fire is burning for us to have a testimony and to do what He's called us to do. That's just as natural and that'll come with just as much ease as breathing. You see, ministry is not us trying to work up something. It's Him living His life through us. The overflow, saying something to others. We can't keep from it. The fire is burning.